gosh. Kevin, I have a question for you. Are you ready? I'm ready for your question of the day. Yes. Okay. What is the wackiest thing you believed as a child? Okay. So I've thought about this for Mm -hmm. a second. I only thought about it for one second. But I used to think that I was not of this, that I was like the only one person in the world. I was the most unique person in the world. And everybody else was like revolving around you, me. Yeah. But I was like a part of a show. You you know, the Truman Show, uh-huh. it's kind of like that thing. Like my parents were not really my parents. My uh, brothers, they were all like part of a show. And I was just. Were you the center? I was the center, but it wasn't like I was on a TV show. I have no idea. It's almost like God had me there and everybody else was doing their thing to see how I would react in the world. Please tell me you had that same thing so I won't feel weird. Um, So the only reason why I didn't have that same thing is because my mom often would tell me, princess, the world does not revolve around you. <laughs> she would repeatedly tell me that. So I feel like that's the only reason why I didn't have that. But that's that's I like that. I appreciate your honesty. So, so what's the wackiest thing? Uh, Believe you had as a child? Um, well, it happened again. It's my mom. I love her dearly. Um, she's awesome. Shout out to her. But she one time, one time my nose was stopped up and she told me that if I was obedient and like cleaned up my house, like the room, that my nose was not <laughs> be stopped move. up. That's classic. And I did. And then I actually could breathe a little bit better after that. So I think it's time to get this thing started. Let's get it. You're listening to Irrational Kindness. Hi, I'm Kevin. And I'm Princess. We work with hundreds of amazing team members at our three Chick-fil-A restaurants in Canton, Georgia. We lift up the celebrity in every human. Hey, that's you. We seek to understand over being understood and prioritize kindness. Towards yourself and others. Over over everything. everything. What's good, Kevin? Everything, Princess. And I'll tell you what. I'm most excited today about Alex Gomez's story being told. That's amazing. You know, he is my hero. 22 years ago, Alex walked into a restaurant and I don't remember much about it. But what I do remember was a guy that had a ponytail, a little rat's tail that went all the way down his back. I don't know if he has that enshrined somewhere, that yeah. coveted piece, but I do remember interviewing him and asking him to cut it off. Yeah. And he looked like I had asked him to, it looked like Superman's uh, kryptonite. <laughs> like you cannot take my rat tail off. Wow. It was awesome. It was a beautiful thing. It went down his back, but you know, I was in desperate need of team members like we get sometimes. Yeah, that's real. And so he showed me how he could tuck. I told him, you can't have that. You can't work here with that. And he said, he, he didn't speak much English, mm-hmm. but he showed me how he could tuck it up underneath his, um, underneath his hat. And he did some, I don't know what he did to it, but he made it disappear in my eyes. Gosh. So I said, if that, as long as I don't see it, you're good to go. And here we are 22 years later with... A guy that uh, that um, has a beautiful life here, two kids and a beautiful wife. Um, his son David uh, is going to Georgia Tech and is just an achiever. And uh, his daughter Jaycelle is an amazing, amazing woman, and just excited about having Alex here. Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Good. So good. Princess, I met Alex. 22 years ago. So uh, I never knew what God had in store for me when I first met Alex, mm-hmm. but uh, 
I met a friend. I met a, a guy who is going to teach me a lot in life that I learn from still. But a guy who's growing and trying to get better yeah. every day is the cool thing about Alex. So, Alex, what was life like when we first met 22 years ago when you worked walked into Canton Riverstone Parkway Chick-fil-A? What was going on in your life at that time? What did you think about when you walked into Chick-fil-A that day? At that time, I was just looking for a job. I was just looking for a place that could uh, help me make some money, save money to go spend good time in Mexico and then go back to California where I came from. Uh, I never thought I was walking into a place that would give me a career for my life. Did you have a car at that time? Or how were you getting around? I had a truck. Um, I drove a truck from California here 44 hours. So, wow. Um, thanks to my brother, Fidel, who helped me drive. How did you get your car? Had you been working to save money for it? Or well, the truck, did you pay uh, cash? No, definitely not. I got make payments in it. I was basically my paycheck, my weekly paycheck was going through the truck payment, leaving me with only like $20 for gas, park it, park it by Wednesdays and then just move around with friends because I didn't have money for gas. Yeah. But I was, I was trying to get my own car. Thanks. Thanks to God. I was able to buy this truck, but it was, it was rough in California. So, uh, so you moved here. Why did you, why were you wanting to move to Georgia? To, from California? Well, I, I moved from Mexico to California in 1991 uh, when I was 15. Uh, going back a little bit into my life, uh, when I was four, I lost my father. Uh, he died in a factory. He got electrocuted okay. and mm. things changed uh, at that time. Hey, when, when your father passed away, so you had how many brothers and sisters when your father passed away? I had an older brother and a, when my father passed away, my mom was uh, pregnant with my, with my sister, Patricia. Wow. What do you remember about that time? I mean, I know you're four, but the, the next, what was that life like until, you know, until you left? I mean, you're, you don't have many resources, right? Yeah. No, definitely not. It was hard. I do remember the day when that happened. Uh, my mom was crying mm. because my dad was was not at home by that normal time. My my what was his name? Uh, Pedro Pedro Gomez. So my my mom and my my aunt my my dad's sister were crying. I mean, like no no cell phones, no phones at home, but they were crying, and we were just looking looking at her. Why? Are they crying? So yeah. kind of like they knew what happened, mm. but it wasn't until my uncle uh, came through that door and, and basically he told us the bad news and I didn't understand what was going on. So they just told me that my dad was, uh, went to heaven, but he was coming back mm. and I just waited for a long time. And until I think it was like two years later when they still keep telling my brother, I'm like, I'm like, you see, I'm going to tell my dad when he comes back what you did to me. And he said, like, don't you get it? He's not coming back. Mm. Mm. And then at that moment, I, I kind of realized that he wasn't coming back. And, like, I was just right there on my own. So my mom left, uh, left us with my grandmother because it was hard to make a living in Mexico. So for the next, uh, from 1992 until 1991, like I only saw my mom about three times for like oh. a few weeks. 
So what was life like then? Were y'all, how, you lived with your grandmother and what were you eating? Was life, uh, you know, give us a picture into that world that you remember. It's basically was kind of like playing survival. Wow. Um, like not knowing if we were going to eat. Uh, basically, we had to find our own resources to eat. Uh, we were just uh, eating off of trees, trees leaves that we could, that, that were eatable, like some tree fruits that we had at home. But like eating like a real meal, it was, it, it, it was not normal. The, the only times when we had like a real meal was when my, when somebody from the United States would go back and visit us, then is when we were able to afford a good meal. Uh, the, Why is that? Because they would bring? They, because we would celebrate that they, that they came back, that we were seeing them again. But playing survival, uh, thanks God, we have the, the guys who own like the mini store in our neighborhood. We had, a, we had an account with them. That basically, thanks to them, is how we survived. They would give us enough food to make it through the day. And we settle every time we get a little bit of money from our relatives in the United States. So at that time, we would pay it off and start a new account. We never had money to pay ahead. Got you. So that's, that was... That was the hard time. And I remember you saying when you needed some gum, you just go straight to the uh, telephone pole. That's where the best gum was. Right. I mean, like, it sounds very gross, but to me, it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, I would just grab one off a pole and try it. Yeah. And if it didn't have any flavor, just throw it back yeah. and probably get the next one. Yeah. How about uh, that? Well, you, so then you move, you, you, you move to America in California to, and you get reconnected with your mom and uh, when you were, how old were you then? I was 15 when I moved to the United States, just out of middle school and wanted to continue uh, uh, school here in the United States. But due to the language barrier and the financial needs of the family, it was impossible. Mm. So uh, basically, we just had to get a job in the fields to help support mom. And it was really hard. I was very young. but all this time was helping recover all the time that we were apart. Yeah. So you're with your brother and y'all are picking vegetables in the, uh, in the hot California fields, knocking that down. What was, uh, where would y'all live at that time? Well, in California, we had a, we had a house. Uh, we had a low income apartment uh, provided by the government. And we, I mean, we in California, we do everything from picking, Grapes, apples, um, kind of giving maintenance to the whole farm. But then going to to Oregon, uh, basically we would just get in the car and travel to see where we could find a job. And of course, paying for a hotel, it was not an option. It was expensive and all the income would go. But so we, we sleep in our car. Yeah. We sleep in the car. We park in the field and sleep in shower in the river and then go to a place and have a good meal once a day. Wow. Yeah. You're getting toughened up by the way. Yeah. You're getting toughened up for life, aren't you? Seriously. Yeah. Well, definitely. It, it wasn't given to me. No. Yeah. 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 I want to get into this a little bit, Alex, because let me tell you, Alex, 
You take somebody from where he's at there yeah. and you fast forward today. He leads our three restaurants. Yeah. He's he 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 leads us in food quality, food excellence. He's uh we literally wouldn't be the organization we are without Alex. He's yeah. kind of the fa- the foundation we're built on. When we think through life and these chords that Alex and I, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, when you're trying to create this beautiful life song, what chords are you using to to build your song, to build your melody? You've always talked about how how important it is to set your eye on one step at a time. You know, whether it's learning English, how did that chord that you told me come alive in that time when you think about the way you uh, you you look at life? Yeah, definitely. Um, moving from state to state and I like working in the fields uh, under either hot temperatures or cold temperatures, working daytime or nighttime, it's really tough. I mean, it's something that you don't want to be doing the rest of your life. But I knew I had limitations. And I, that's, that's, all, that's all that it was in there for me at that time. So I, I knew that I had to learn English. I had to de- learn the language because that was the only way that I would uh, do make a difference in my life. So in between, well, basically in California, when we were in California, uh, I would get up at 8 o'clock in the morning, uh, get in the van, and that would drive me like one to two hours away to a tomato field, and then get back home around 5, 6 p.m., uh, get a quick meal and shower, and then walk to a local school where uh, where I where they were teaching us English. Hmm. So it was depending on the schedule. If I made it back in time, I would go to the school, learn a couple words per day. But you know, just investing in that. Uh, and you weren't in high school, right? You're are you doing a G? How how are you getting your education uh, for high school? Uh, for 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 my GED. Um, it sounds really fancy, but I got my GED from Washington State University. Uh, it was a program for uh, workers of the fields. Wow. That's so awesome. we basically didn't have a problem in qualifying and getting accepted in the program. Uh, the best part of it, that it was taught in Spanish. So basically I got my GED in a course of six weeks. Wow. And it was all done in Spanish. So I came out of Washington State University with my GED, but still with the language limitations. Mm. So I knew I still had to continue learning and and keep developing it so I could develop myself later. Yeah. And so, uh, and then how is your English coming along? So you got your GED, your English is still pretty, pretty spotty then, I guess. You're not, you, you, yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm still learning, mm. you know, just like in life, just like at work, always in training. Yeah. And then how do you, you how did you continue to approach this education thing? Because that's been a journey you've been on from that you still are in today. Somehow we ran into Kennesaw State University, knowing that they have a uh, continuing education yeah. at night, and they had English as a second language programs. So I said, we will says like we gotta get in it. So I went through a few courses there to learn more English and. And just those classes and like that people, my coworkers at Chick-fil-A helping me, it's how I got to to where I am right now, actually. When I moved to Georgia, uh, I got a job at Town Center Mall cleaning, cleaning the mall. Yeah. So 
I noticed a restaurant called Chick-fil-A that I never seen before in my life. Uh, and then I, I'm like, they're close. So we, I, between my brother Fidel and I, we were like thinking like, that's, that's not smart. Yeah. I'm like close to Sunday when the mall is busiest, they're losing a lot of money. So approaching a closing manager one day, he told us about Chick-fil-A, about the vision and the purpose of it. So we thought it was very unique. And that made me reflect and think about Sundays because we were working every Sunday at the mall because it was busy. But at the same time, the few relatives I had here in, in Canton, they were spending Sundays at the park uh, as a family. And I wanted to be part of it, but I just couldn't because I had to work at the mall. So that made me thought about getting a job at, at, at a Chick-fil-A. So... So that's, that's how I apply at Chick-fil-A, just because I was exposed to Chick-fil-A at the mall. I, I had phenomenal co-workers mm. that they knew my limitations and they would help me out. I would ask, what is this called? So they would teach me. They would like walk me through it. You know, like they, they care for me as a person. Uh, I never saw like something like rejection for not knowing the language. Yeah. So. Um, I remember going on deliveries with you, Kevin. I mean, you would engage with my brother and I and ask us to go with you on deliveries. And I will ask my brother to drive in the front seat because I was afraid that you were asked, you were going to ask questions that I wouldn't be able to answer. So he will always ride in the front. Like I said, he's very outgoing. He likes to talk a lot. And I, I'm a little more reserved. So you continue on, he, you, you kind of take on some leadership, you go back, you meet your wife, you come back and get married, continue on this education journey with us. You're continuing to grow in your role at Chick-fil-A, your, your English is, you know, uh, continuing to get better, but how did you approach education and say, Hey, I want to continue on my formal education when you went to become a star, star at Chattahoochee Technical College? Well, I came to Georgia just thinking for six months, then I met my wife in Mexico she say, yes, I want to marry you. Thank you, Philip, for doing that. <laughs> and so I said, I got to go back to Georgia. I, I need money for the wedding. So just to make it short, uh, I saved some money, came back to Chick-fil-A of Kenton, and then went back, married my wife. And then we started a family. In, 2005, in 2005, uh, that's when you, Kevin, asked me about getting a higher education. Um, it was, I was afraid at first. Yeah. I'm like, I still don't know the language well. I don't know if, if the teachers are going to understand, understand me. I don't know if I'm going to understand the books, but you know, just you being so encouraging and, and coaching me throughout these years and just telling me, just get it done. And I forget about the past and the limitations you had. It is up to you. You can do it. So you made, you made me believe in myself. Wow. And, and, I, and I said, why not? Let's give it a shot. Yeah. Uh, so with your help, I got enrolled at Chat Tech. And, and I, enjoy, I enjoyed the whole three years I spent getting my associates. So uh, I was able to graduate with an associate in business and associates in accounting. So... I, I went the extra mile, get two instead of one. Wow, that's awesome. And then today, he Come continues on. the journey at Reinhardt University. And when will you graduate with your uh, bachelor's degree? 
Well, yeah, I'm back into school, finished what I started in 2005 and getting a, getting my bachelor's from Reinhardt. Uh, it is being challenging. It's, it's a lot harder, make me think a lot, learn new styles, APA, all <laughs> the stuff. It's a headache. Yeah. But I'm pushing through. Yeah. Uh, like I'm having good grades. I have great teachers, flexible program. And uh, God allows that I'm going to graduate in, in May 2021. Wow. How about that? Ooh, that's How awesome. about that? That's cool. Seriously. So, Alex, so you, now his son is going to Georgia Tech. How have you poured into that, given them why, that they thrive so much in education to have a son going to one of the hardest schools in Georgia to, uh, to attend. And, um, how, how does education, how have you kind of led that in education? Cause you clearly, like I said, we, we know it's a priority with you to keep growing and learning. Yeah, definitely. I think by me going to college, I'll basically be the first one in my family to go to college. Wow. And, and then just, you know, growing up, we know education basically is just just sitting there to be average. So I kind of want to set an example for the future generations because I knew it was challenging for me uh, because of the circumstances. For the n- next generation, it's probably easier because they have us here and they were born in, in the country already. So I just thought that I could set a good example for my kids hmm. by, by going to school and getting a degree and, and teaching them that it's possible even a, I mean, to me, at a later age, but it shouldn't be the reason for them. So just just trying to set set up an example for the second generations. But I think for David, it just it was just natural for him. I had I didn't have to push him. He had a lot of initiative to stay in school, get good grades, and I think he's paying enough to being admitted at Georgia Tech. How do you approach challenges? You know, my best approach is to stay positive. Yeah. I think if you put a a negative attitude to something that you think is a problem, it's not going to help you. It's just going to convince you that the problem is worse. But if you see it positive, all you got to do is just put a smile on your face, engage others, uh, asking them to help you find a solution. But basically, as a, as a leader, they need to see you calm. If they see you stressed out, like everybody's going to be stressed out. If at work I had been asked, how do you do it? Hmm. I'm like, do you do what? This is normal, you know? Uh, life is hard. Hmm. I'm like, but you just put a, a good smile on your face and stay positive. Give your best and like, can things just get easier automatically? Yeah. At home, if, if my kids see me stressed out and always complaining and whining, mm. I'm like, they're just going to think life is harder than it is. And they're basically going to get stressed out in school. I mean, school can be hard. And then if you hear that once you finish school in the workplace is hard as well, they're just going to feel more, more overwhelmed. So. How about that, Princess? Gosh. Is that amazing? Alex, this is so good. You know, if you go to alexgomezday.com, we have, you can give Alex a shout out and yeah. go talk about what he means, what he meant to you in this conversation today. Because uh, we got down there, father, husband, mentor, businessman, student, helper, leader. 
He's just not afraid of hard work, yeah. which is part of life. I love what you said that it's just it's just hard, and it is hard. Life is hard work, but the beauty of being a mentor for me and an encouragement for me, Alex, is the way you approach all that. And I I could go charge any kind of mountain with you yeah. because of that. Closing words is just give your best. You see how many how life is gonna be different if you just give your best. Princess, wasn't that amazing? That was so awesome. Well, you know, we talk about three steps and three chords and just the idea of what can we learn from each other to help us in that perspective change that we're seeking in our lives, mm-hmm. that we can not see the world just the way the news tells us yeah. or somebody else tells us, but mm-hmm. we can see the world in a different light. And Alex is a great, I love what he said you know, set your eyes on one step at a time. Yeah. This idea that education, how important that's been for his family. Mm. And then just his his spirit behind investing in the next generation. Yeah. yeah, no, that's real. And I feel like Alex, one word that I think we can use to describe him is a pioneer because he was doing something that he had never even maybe saw somebody else before him do. And I think that's just so encouraging to see that like, Okay, even if you're, if I'm the only person that I know who's doing what I'm doing, that doesn't mean maybe I'm wrong or anything, but it's like, who am I maybe pioneering this way for, for the younger generations who are going to look up and say, oh, I can do that because Princess did that or Alex did that or Kevin did that. I think that was so, so encouraging that I took from what he said. And his journey's not over. Oh, He's no, still no. pursuing, <laughs> you know, um, and he may have take, taken a hit the pause button at different seasons in his life. But he keeps saying, I'm going to continue going to continue developing myself yeah. because he's changing it for generations and forward. So thanks so much for uh, our time today, mm-hmm. Francis, joining our on, conversation. On, on a conversation on this journey where we can all learn how to interact with each other in a different way. Thanks yeah. so much. you can gotta get out while you can gotta get in while you can gotta get out while you can play your cards right middle man play your cards right middle man play your cards right man and check your gauge check your gauge check your gauge check your gauge